hopefully you got a pen and paper and you're ready to go. Let's begin in the word of God. The scripture tells us in our reading in Psalms chapter 27, we are looking at verse uh, number one, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. And here's the text we're in now. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing as always to the reading and the hearing and the doing of his word. We have been engaged in a wonderful study. We've been talking about the characteristics, amen, of godly goals. And uh, and um, we've, we've, I mean, it, it has been, I don't know about you, but it has been um, really good and really beneficial uh, to me. And I really thank the Lord, can't thank the Lord enough for uh, for thinking about us and giving us what he has already given us. Because the, the point of all of this is that you're able to use this. Okay. So when you come to this class and we're going over the lesson, I do encourage you to take your notes and all the, and whatever it is that you need. Also, you're able to download the, the previous lesson so that you can review them later. But the point for of all of that is that you can take the word and use it. The Bible tells us to not just be hearers. And that's where we mess up. Too many times we are just hearers, but the Bible tells us that we got to be doers as well. Okay, so we want to make sure that we are doing okay what the Word of God tells us to do. We don't want to get into a habit. We don't want to get into a place. We don't uh, where we are um, where we exempt ourselves from doing what the Word of God says. No, we don't want to. That's not that's not what God would have us do. Amen. Now, when we last spoke uh, on last week, um, we just uh, we began to dabble into and really get into the um, to the area of dealing with um, commitment. Amen. Okay. And for those of you who are looking, hopefully the screen is displaying for you, and you are seeing um, that we are on the fifth characteristic. We're talking about the characteristics of godly goals. Amen. And we learned some things about that. We learned that godly goals, we have a working definition for godly goals, which they are those goals or desires that have God alone as the primary beneficiary when the goal is accomplished. The accomplishing of the goal is strictly for the glory of God. Godly goals can also have a God-centered component to them. That's what we define godly goals. Then we went a little further and we defined God-centered goals, okay? Since godly goals can have a godly, com God-centered component, 
then what is God-centered goals? God-centered goals or that God-centered component are those goals or desires where we are the primary beneficiary in addition to God. So it's not just God, it's us also. We're looking to get something out of this as well, okay? Or there's something to be had for us as well at the end of this particular goal, okay? So they are those goals or desires where we are the primary beneficiary in addition to God. We get the prize at the end and God gets the continued praise and acknowledgement for the accomplishment of the goal. Why does he get all of that? Because he's the one that brought it to pass. So we, we, as we're going through or as we work towards the completion or the accomplishing of that goal, whatever that whatever that may be and we've gone through the process and it's a goal that uh and it's a very godly goal uh and 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 it's god-centered as a component for us but when we get to the end of that we recognize that hey you know what it was god that gave this to me it was god that brought me here it was god that did this for me it was god that made a way out of no way and so we need to maintain that mindset when it comes to the things of God, and especially when it comes to accomplishing goals, because there are many people who at the end of the line, when they get whatever it is that they're doing or accomplish whatever it is, well, at the end, they're self-centered. They're looking at themselves. They're not giving God the glory. Well, that's, that's how worldly goals go. Okay, the worldly goals and um, and with and from being accomplished by those with a worldly mindset, well, they're not going to glorify God. Okay, because God's not important to them if they even know anything about God at all. But whether they do or not, they are not going to give God the glory. But you and I are supposed to be different. You and I are called by His name. You and I are supposed to be the children of God. And Amen. And if you're not a child of God, I want to just segue here. God absolutely wants you to be his child. God, look, and God is ready. God is ready to bring you into the family, but you got to turn from your sin. Okay, you got to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You, you, what, what does that mean? That mean what I'm simply telling you is, is this. You got to be born again. And that's what the word of God teaches us, that we have to be born again, born of the water and of the spirit, because without that, you're not going to see God. Okay. So we learned all of those things. We learned that God-centered goals are focused. Okay. We learned that one thing have I desired. We talked about these God-centered goals are sourced from God. We know um, that uh, we, we, we see that in the phrase of the Lord. One thing have I desired, what? Of the Lord that let us know that that comes from God. We also learned that they require some action or some work on our part. You're not gonna just get uh, all the things that God has for you with no effort. You're gonna have to do something. You're going to have to do something. We learned that from the phrase in uh, David's statement, that will I seek after. So now we got one thing have I desired, that will I seek after, that, that phrase, that will I seek after, that's action. David is doing something. He's saying, I don't just want something. I don't just want this one thing, but I'm willing to go after this one thing. And that's something all of us have to make sure that we're, that we're willing and ready to do. Are you willing to do your part for what you want or what you're asking of God? Too many times we're asking God to do stuff and expecting God to do it all and thinking that we're just going to be just a recipient. Hold on. No, no, no. God's going to empower you to do your part. 
And if you don't do your part, then guess what? That's just going to be a prayer. That's just going to be a goal that's going to forever remain unmet or unaccomplished. If you are not willing to put in the work, you know, you're not, you're not going to get the results. You're not going to get the benefit of that. So if you have a, a spirit of laziness about you, it's time to pray that spirit right on off of you because laziness is not going to get you anywhere. As long as you entertain, as long as you harbor a mindset or a concept that you're going to pray, ask God, and you, gonna, and you ain't going to do nothing whatsoever because even biblical waiting does it, you know what I'm saying, is, doesn't mean uh, inactivity. No, 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 no. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that you could just sit around and not do nothing. No, you're still on the hook for doing what God has told you to do. You still got to be obedient. I still have to be obedient. We still got to do what that word says. And, 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 and here's the bottom line. You know, God, look, God reserves the right to test you all the way down to the wire. That means God can make you wait. God will put you through the ringer at times and see just how, how much, how serious are you? Are you serious enough to do what he said? So we learned that part, that will I seek after, that there's some uh, work on it. Then we learned that, uh, the, that God, that, that they can have a God-centered component because this whole statement, amen, from uh, uh from david uh, also has a benefit to him so within this goal is built into it the a god-centered component because there's something that he wants what does he want bible says this that i may dwell in the house of the lord okay that is a benefit that is a blessing that is something uh, uh um that is something that benefits god Amen. But it is also something that benefits you. Now, we went in further and we talked about dwelling and we talked about the house. We broke down some words. We learned that dwell is to inhabit or being or to live in. And we learned the phrase continue, which also can really be used synonymously or in place of um, dwell means the same thing. We talked a little bit about the house um, as mentioned there. And we learned that the house also is translated here as uh, or, or is meant to admit uh, or can mean temple. So they're one and the same. And so it's, and that's a good thing to know and an important thing to know. Why? Because he's not talking about your house. He's talking about God's house. Okay. And so you need to know that it's not just your house in the sense of where you dwell. It's talking about God It's talking about in the sense of where God dwells. So that's why it's synonymous with, with, uh, with the word uh, temple there. Okay. And so we, we started digging into this and we learned um, some things, and we found out some things also. Amen. We found out uh, a lot of different things. We discovered that 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 as we move into this concept, especially in First Corinthians uh, three and sixteen, we learned that we are the temple of God. Amen. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. We also learn that God wants us to abide and dwell in him. So think of it. David says, I want to dwell in the house, but then God turns it around and says, and tells us as we, or uh, turns this whole thing on its head when we get to the New Testament, because David here is asking, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. But then the New Testament reveals to us the house of the Lord is you. <laughs> the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord is me. 
Amen. And this is good because we need to know what David was really actually asking. He may not have even known exactly what it was to the extent. All he knew is that he wanted to be in God's presence. He wanted to be where God was. Amen. Amen. But when, when, but God gives clarity on that statement to us as we move into the New Testament and we look in 1 Corinthians 3, 3.16 because we then learn that we are that temple. Amen. The Bible said, know ye not that ye are the temple. What's important about that phrase? There are many of us who don't realize that we are the temple, because if we did realize and truly understood and truly had an appreciation for the fact that we are the temple of God, brothers and sisters, I submit to you today that it's just some ways of living and some things that we do that we just would not do. There are some places we would not go. There were some things we would not say. Why? Because we would realize that we are the temple. Oh, Amen. I'm telling you that. I feel the spirit of the Lord heavy right now. Brothers you and sisters, you are the temple of God. You are a walking or a mobile temple. So I'm going to ask you, where are you taking God? Prior to even the shelter in place, when all of that was at, the, at its height, and we still got some of that going on, where were you taking God? Because God is telling you that you're his house. God is saying that we are his dwelling place. So the question is, is where have we been taking God? Have you been taking God someplace that he don't want to go? Have, 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 have you been escorting God to locations that he has already spoken against? Is your attitude the vehicle that ushers God into an area where he has no desire to be? Do you care about where God is and whether or not he's happy about where he is? Self-centeredness, selfishness is going to take many people to hell because you cannot have God and wickedness. And we got to understand that. We got to keep that in mind. So the word teaches us New Testament. We are the temple. Amen. And we also learn that God wants to abide or dwell in us. Now we saw that in, in the gospel of John 15, four through seven, abide in me and I in you. Amen. As the branch cannot that's just you know i mean he i mean he makes it plain as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me so you you can't do nothing without god i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth what much fruit for without me you can do nothing you know trying to go rogue and maverick and do this and you gonna strong arm that you listen you can't strong arm the ministry you can't strong arm service to God. You can't strong arm. You listen, your own, your strength don't, 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 doesn't mean a hill of beans. It's not doing anything. And, 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 and trying to flex and be something that you are not trying to pretend to be stronger, that you got it all together. Listen, you do better just admitting that you're weak. Humble yourself before the Lord and let God help you get through. Let God help you achieve rather than you trying to do everything on your own. That is why we are a family, brothers and sisters, so that you don't have to do this on your own. How long are you going to keep off-roading on God? You just ain't gonna, you're not going to follow the path. 
The, the, do, do you not know that there is only one road? And do you not know it is straight and narrow? You can't off-road on God. There is no alternate, there, no, no alternate path. There will be no other direction that you can travel or way of traveling in which you are going to get God. You got to do it God's way. Amen. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into what? The fire. And they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Brothers and sisters, again, I said it last week. I'm going to say this again. If you asking God, but his word ain't abiding in you, you need to stop asking because he's not getting ready to do it. Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting your time. God's word is forever settled. And what he says, he means. God is not going to change or alter or bend the rules because it's you. You got to understand, listen, just because you have a family, you might have a, a, pedi a family pedigree of, of, of folks just strong for the Lord. Listen, I don't care if everybody in your family can quote the Bible backwards and forwards. If they don't do it the way the Bible says do it, they're not going to make it. And you are not going to make it. Now, here's the other thing to that. If they are doing it what the way the Bible says, and you're not doing the what the Bible says, they are absolutely going to make it because God is able to keep them from falling, but you are not going to make it. You got to do it God's way. God's no respecter of person. He's not giving no hall pass to anybody. He's not getting ready to write you a permission slip to that, 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 that somehow bends the rules and allows you to live just a little bit different than what he has asked for. No, 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 no. God gives us the Holy Ghost. Is why you got to be water baptized. You got to be born again. You got, listen, you got to be filled with the spirit. You got to have that. He gives you the Holy Ghost so you can accomplish and you can do what God wants you to do. Amen. Amen. He says the word's got to abide in you. And then according to, to uh, and then we also uh, learn that, 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 that in order to abide in him, okay, we got to first, in order for him to abide in us, okay, we got to first abide in him. Amen. And a lot of people miss that little detail. Look, verse four said, abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. He didn't say he going to abide in you first. No, no. He going to abide in you as a result of you abiding in him. And so we learned that in order to abide in the Lord, that can only be done through obedience to God's word. No substitute. And so from that, we learned and we looked at 1 John 4, 16. Amen. And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So we have, we learned God put together for us a picture, okay? We, he, he said, he says, abide in me and I in you. So he revealed, number one, that in order for you, him to abide in you, you got to first abide in him. Then when you get to first John, he starts to tell you how to abide in him. You have to do it through love. Amen. Why? God is love, telling you first and foremost. And he says, he that dwelleth in love 
dwelleth in God. So in order to abide in him first, as he wants you to do, you got to dwell in love. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. And that, that's things that we need to know. You got to abide in him. But then he tells us he goes further. Because when you go back, amen, when you go back to, to the gospel of John, and you look at, 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 at chapter 14, verse 15, he tells you, you, if you love me, Jesus talking here, so that's God talking. If you love me, keep my commandments. You got to do what he said. You abide in love. You got to dwell in him. You got to dwell in love. And he says, first and foremost, you got to keep the commandments. How do I dwell in love? How do I actually do this? First and foremost, I got to be ready and I got to be and willing to, abide, to keep his commandments. In order to dwell in love, you must keep the commandments. Brother Walker, how do you know that's true? Because you look at the next chapter over, over chapter 15, look at verses 9 through 10. And he tells you back, back in 15 again, 9 through 10, and he tells you, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. That's abide. That's dwelling. All of that. And look what he says. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in what? My love. He said, Jesus, he laid it out. You got to keep my commandments. You got to, to dwell in me. You got to dwell in love. Amen. Now, the way you dwell in love is by keeping the commandments. Why? Because if you keep the commandments, this is what he's telling you, you abide in my love. Amen. And even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Uh-oh, that's heavy. What is he telling you? God, he's telling you that I laid down the example. I'm telling you that it works. I'm telling you that this is sure. I'm telling you that this is absolute, that if you keep my commandments and you abide in the, my commandments, you are obedient to the commandments, you are going to dwell or abide in love, which constitutes abiding in him, if you do that. And then he says, I laid down the example. I demonstrated it for you. Why? I kept my father's commandment. Amen. Glory to God. And he said, and the end result is, is that I abide in his love. And remember the, the epistle of John said, you abide, you know what I'm saying? It's through love that you abide in. And so we learn all of these good things and that is good stuff for us to know. Let's look at something a little bit further here because now we're dealing with this concept of commitment. Okay. The fifth characteristic is in, in, in godly goals, amen, characteristics of godly goals, our fifth characteristic is that they require commitment. And we learn that from the phrase, all the days of my life. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, okay? Now, words to know, commitment. What does it mean? State of personal dedication to something or someone which results in actively promoting and working for their good and well-being. That is a that is a wonderful and a humbling definition. Amen. We need to make sure we understand that because a lot of us have problems because we lack in the area of commitment. There are many things in life, brothers and sisters, that will require commitment. 
Relationships require commitment. Marriages require commitment. Ministry requires commitment. But look at the definition of that commitment. Look at it again. A state of personal dedication means it's got to be voluntary. It's got to it's be something you want to do. You, you're not, listen, you're not, it's too many people hide or try to hide their lack of commitment by blaming it on someone else or something else. Oh, this made me do it. Oh, it's because you, this, that, and the other. Uh-uh, no, 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 stop. Let's stop the games. Let's stop all of that. Let's silence that voice. Commitment is a state of personal dedication. Not communal dedication, not the community, not everybody else. It is personal dedication. What you personally, individually decide that you are going to be loyal to, that you are going to be steadfast to. A state of personal dedication to something or someone which results in actively promoting. Notice the phrase, look, notice that. Actively promoting and working for their good and well-being. If you're working to hurt somebody, that's not true commitment. That's not true commitment. Because commitment doesn't exist in the environment. No. No, 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 no. It doesn't exist in the environment, so to speak, of, of or true commitment in the environment of you working to tear somebody down and bring somebody down. And I feel like I need to segue in here, but let me, and let me just talk about this for just a moment. Relationships are challenging of every variety. Obviously, we're talking about every variety that is authorized by God. So we ain't talking about no other unauthorized relationships. So that don't, that don't count. So if you're in here and you've got some other else going on, that what I'm telling you right now don't apply to that. Okay? So you got any kind of other, 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 other relationship that fall under any other category. So what we let me make it plain. So that's homosexuality. That, that's whatever you want to call it. And all that, no, no, we ain't talking about that. Okay? That's something different. God got a whole nother set of words for that, okay? We talking about what is authorized by the scripture, okay? All right. Now, relationships that are authorized by scripture, whether it is a family relationship, whether it's a parental relationship um, between a parent and child, maybe it's a sibling relationship, or it can be a marital relationship, doesn't matter, okay? It could fall in any one of those. Brothers and sisters, guess what? They require commitment. They require loyalty. Now, not loyal. Now, listen, agreeing with and going along with stuff that's wrong is not loyalty. It ain't talking about that. We're talking about stuff that's right. Okay. So, you know, so if you have in your mind this picture of, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that true loyalty to you, true loyalty is if someone holds it down for you, regardless of what you're doing, get, get that out of here. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. Because last time I checked, we still got one God to glorify, one God to please, and one God that is going, we're going to have to give an account before. So if you, if, if you got a concept that true family loyalty is, is going along with, with even the real ridiculous stunts, 
Yes, you might, let me tell you, the word of God is against you. That is a lie, and it's time to let that go. No, commitment is in the area. It should, is always directed towards the right thing, okay? The right area. And it's a personal choice. If you, when you have a relationship, relationships do not maintain themselves. It just doesn't happen. It just does not happen. They do not exist. They do, they do not, they do not, let me say it this way. They do not continue to exist without commitment. Because commitment is the determining factor as to whether or not you're going to put in the work. Your work. And remember, it's personal commitment. So it means whether you, it's going to determine whether you're going to put in your work independent of whether or not someone else is doing theirs. Oh, it would be so easy. So much easy, easier. If we could get a, a hall pass, if, you know, and, and, and get an excuse, well, they're not doing their side. They're not doing their part. Marriages really get this one bad. Well, the other person ain't doing what they supposed to do. So you know what? I'm going to stop doing Hold on. No, 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 no. You and that husband or you and that wife belong to God and you belong to God first before you belong to each other. And there is a commitment to do the right thing and to live right. That is not based on your spouse or your child or the connection because you're, it doesn't matter what it is. You have a responsibility to do right by one another because it is your Christian duty. It is your God-given responsibility. It is a responsibility that was given to you before you said, I do. And it's going to still, look, look, and I, and, 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 and you don't just break that. So commitment is important. You got to be commit, committed. You got to be committed to work to the good or for the good of that thing or those people or that person that you have a relationship with. You got to do the right thing according to the scripture. And if they should take leave of their natural senses and they start doing the wrong thing, well, it doesn't excuse you, nor does it absolve you from doing what you are supposed to do. Now, commitment, when we apply it to God, is a little bit different. We, add, we, add, we get something here. When commitment, when we add it to God, commitment to God arises from faith in his promises. And it is expressed in worship and adoration, which or leads really to obedience to his command. When I'm committed to God, if I'm a show commitment to God, I have to be, I gotta have faith in his promises. Amen. But remember, faith, God don't just take, God won't accept faith or love on the grounds of someone just simply saying it. No, uh-uh. God says, put, God says, God says, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. 
God says, put your money where your mouth is. God says, you don't just say it, do it. Faith in, or, and love in order to be accepted of God has got to be accompanied by works. You got to do something. You got to do something. Some of those works that accompany it are worship and adoration. They're works of faith. So not works in the sense of uh, uh, in the natural, okay? Or just worldly things, not, not that. But they are works of faith or works of obedience, okay? And this lead, and, and that, that's what it is. And, and, and when we worship and when we adore God and when we love on God and we, and, and we serve God and we give all of our, everything, give our best to God, it really does make you just want to keep right on obeying God. It's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to know. Let's move on with this though. There's a lot, a lot more to, to, to dig into. When we talk about commitment, you need to understand and you need to know that number one, God commands commitment. Amen. God commands commitment. Now, Deuteronomy 79 shows us, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandment to a thousand generations. Amen. Amen. He keepeth covenant and mercy with them that what? Love him and keep his commandments. So not just the person who love him, notice the word, the language, and keep his commandments. Because Jesus told you, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's how he knows. That's how that, that, that establishes that love that you so-called have as valid, that you keep the commandments. Amen. God commands commitment. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13. And now Israel. What does the Lord, the God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thine God, to walk in his ways and to, and to love him and to serve thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Amen. 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 Look at God's word. Verse 13, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Keep it because he said, listen, I command you to keep it. <laughs> but he says, but <laughs> I didn't do it for my health. You keeping it is for your health. It's for your good. There's a blessing, in other words, is what verse 13 is telling you. There's a blessing to be had when you keep the commandments of God. Amen. It's good stuff. The things we need to know. God sees obedience to his commands as a sign of, commit of commitment. And you see that in Deuteronomy eleven thirteen, and it shall come to pass. If ye shall hearken diligently unto the commands, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 11, verse 22. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and cleave unto him. Obedience. Okay. Obedience. God sees obedience as a sign of commitment. Amen. 
That's good to know. Love and worship, talking about commitment and how God sees it and all of these things. Love and worship are seen as signs of commitment. Deuteronomy 30 and 6, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Look at Joshua 23, 11. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. Love and worship. Amen. They are seen as signs of commitment. And these things are very important. But what's also important is, is that there are benefits, brothers and sisters. There are more benefits and specific benefits to obedience or to commitment. And a lot of times we don't, we, this goes a little, uh, this goes a little unnoticed by us at times. At times there are, there are, there are periods where, where we don't really pay that mo much attention to these things, but there really are benefits that really go beyond pretty much what we know kind of by just really, you know, standard issue or just the basics of what we know. And it's worth digging into just a little bit. What are these benefits? Well, let, let's look at it. Second Chronicles 16 and 19, 16 and nine rather, okay? The Bible teaches us, some, tells us something. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Notice the beginning part. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. One of the benefits that you get um, from commitment is, is that God will strengthen you against your enemies or you will appear strong. God will, will show you strong. And, and, and when God shows you strong, it's because he has strengthened you. And so in the eyes of the enemy, you, 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 you begin to look insurmountable. You begin to, to appear as unconquerable. When you are committed to God, God strengthens your hand. God strengthens your cause. When you are committed to God, God has a way of allowing his favor and his shroud of his glory to rest upon you in such a way that the enemy, when they start to look at you, they got to think again. They know that, oh, wait a minute, this ain't going to be as, 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 as easy as I thought it was going to be. This is not going to be a cakewalk. And I'm going to ask the question, when the devil comes and, and knocking on your door, sends his, his goons to where you are, are do, do, do they have the impression that it's getting ready to be a cakewalk? Do it seem like all the, you know what I'm saying, that the, the devil just keep running after you, just hot and heavy, just all the time away. Like, why is it that he don't ever take a double? Why don't he ever think again? Why don't the enemy ever stop? Because you don't look strong. When something looks strong, you're going to think again. You're going to have a moment of pause. And that is why it is a wonderful benefit to, for, uh, that comes on the heels of commitment that God will strengthen you against your enemies. In other words, he makes it so that the enemy learns 
whether they want to or not, what time it is, if they're getting ready to come and cause some problems. They're going to know, guess what? This ain't going to be no walk in the park. My brothers and sisters, if you are devoid of commitment to God, you're going to look like a cakewalk to the enemy and he's going to keep knocking on your door. There's some other benefits. Let's keep going. Proverbs 6 and 3. Amen. Let's look at Proverbs 6 and 3. One of the benefits, uh, one of the uh, other benefits that we get um, um, from obeying the Lord. And what, and, 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 and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of these up here for you. Amen. Get all of them up here and then we'll, we'll just deal with them um, one at a time um, as, we, um, as we just kind of work our way through this. Amen. And I'm gonna, so we're back at number two, but I put that up there so that you can have that and you'll be able to take those notes down and make sure you have those, uh, those um, so that you can review them later. But the second one that we're on is, is in Proverbs chapter three, uh, excuse me, chapter 16, verse number three. And it says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Amen. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. When you have a commitment and when you are committed to the Lord, amen. He causes your plans and your ideas and thoughts to work out. Some of you wonder, man, why, why does it seem like nothing I want to do ever work? Because there's no commitment. You got to be committed to God's way. You got, you see, there are some things that you may want to achieve and to accomplish, but as we learned earlier, it come, the source of these things comes from God. And if anything, what you should be learning or seeing in here is that God is not getting ready to just give you anything. He already did that when he made salvation available by going to that cross and dying on that cross and rising on the third day with all power of heaven and earth. That's your freebie. You couldn't save yourself. I could not save myself. So what did he do? He went to an old rugged cross on your behalf. Paying for sins, low down, dirty, despicable, nasty sins that he himself had no part in. The Bible says he was spotless, tells us that he was innocent. He didn't commit those crimes. You and I did. We did that. But God loved us so much that he didn't want to leave us like that. He knew that our nature had fallen because we inherited the sin of our greatest grandfather and grandmother, Adam and Eve. Our nature had fallen. And when our nature had fallen, we began, it began to be easy for us to fall into sin because our very flesh became corrupted. So now I'm sinning and I'm committing sin with reckless abandon with no hope because I inherited a nature that made it easy for me. I didn't ask for this nature. I didn't ask to be broken. I didn't ask to be lost. But here I am lost, broken, and I need a way out. And God being who he is, loved you so much, knowing the condition that you're in, he said, I got a plan for that. I got a plan 
for that. I got a plan for that. And, I, and, 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 and I'm going to do it myself. The arm of the Lord, that's Jesus Christ. That's God revealing himself, making, a port, making himself visible to the naked eye. God robed in humanity. Given God's name, what is the name? Jesus. Then he goes to the cross and he sacrifices that body, that flesh, and he lays down that life and spills that blood. Why? To pay for the sins that you and I commit. That's your freebie. That's your freebie. Salvation is free. And you got to repent of your sins. And you got to be baptized in the water. And you got to be baptized in his name, not in his titles. Do it the way the Bible says do it. Don't come up with nothing shady and anything tricky. Do it the way the Bible says. If you had it done a different way, do it again. There is biblical precedence in the book of Acts for doing it again if you didn't do it right. You got to be baptized in his name. And then you got to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, the church, brothers and sisters, is not an organization. Listen, you can't join the church. You got to be born into the church. When you go to a local church or a local body and you put your name on the roster, listen, all you're doing is join a, that's a, that's external. All you're doing is saying is you just putting on record that this is going to be my local fellowship. This is where I'm locally going to go. That's all that that is. That don't mean you're a part of the church. You got to be born again. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he shall in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible even says you ain't going to even see it. Glory to God. That's your freebie. That's my freebie. That's the thing. That's the one I didn't have to work for. That's the one you didn't have to put no work in. That one is free. You say by grace through faith. That one is free. See, you couldn't do that one. So God didn't task it to you. No, 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 no. God won't. Listen, when the Bible tells you God won't put no more on you, then you can bear. That is exactly what he means. He did not put more on you even in the area of salvation. Why? Because you couldn't bear it. You could not save yourself. So what did he do? Came walking down 42 generations in the household of David and went to an old rugged cross to pay for those sins. But my Bible tells me he didn't stay dead. He got up on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. He's got my deliverance. He got everything. Look, I don't care what shackle you got. I don't care what chain you are in. I don't care what stronghold is against you. I'm telling you that there is a God that breaks every chain. There's a God that is able to do the impossible and what you cannot do, what you needed done but could not do. I'm telling you that over 2,000 years ago, God came and did it on your behalf. But what about what you can do? Proverbs 16, 13. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. You want God's favor? and blessings and endorsement on what you're doing, you got to commit. Amen. Look at the next one here. Look at Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Amen. Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Commitment also does something else. It doesn't just cause your plans and thoughts to, be, to work out. 
or which really means God blesses or establishes them. And th that's really what that means. But it also, but, but, but when you are committed, it grants you preferred status with God. I love God this morning. Listen to what the Bible says. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, that ye shall be, then ye shall be what? A peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine. Look at verse number six. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. I'm trying to tell you when you are committed to God, it's going to grant you preferred status. He said a peculiar treasure unto me. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, that you may have go, you can have gone a lifetime with people that never recognize your value, that don't see your worth, and they never acknowledge it. They never say anything about it. But can I tell you that whether they see it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, can I tell you that their endorsement is not required? Can I tell you that their endorsement, their being able to see it, is not mission critical? As long as God knows your worth and God. God knows your value. Listen, it don't matter who don't see and it doesn't matter who does not believe. I'm trying to tell somebody today that God has spoken something different concerning those that are committed to him. Don't forget and don't look over very lightly or too quickly over the very beginning of that verse five in Exodus chapter 19. He says, now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant. Brothers and sisters, you are a peculiar treasure. You are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, but you can only do that. You only get that status. It is only uh, uh, conferred upon you if there is obedience. There ain't no substitute. I'm, I, listen, we want to be the treasure. We want to be the peculiar. We want to stand out. And too often we want to do it Without obedience, no, you're not. When you don't have obedience, you're not standing out. You're not peculiar. You're average. You're normal. You're like everybody else. You get extraordinary. You get called out. You get preferred status when you become obedient to God. That's how it is. That's how it works in God's kingdom. What else do you get? Amen. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. See, when you have commitment, even your community will be blessed. So communities are blessed when there is commitment. But lead it, but you understand. Now, now let me read it. If ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel. Remember, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. A whole lot of people are bewitched through rebellion. You're just not going to comply. You're going to do your own, your, and some of us is messed up right now. Why? Because your plan is better than everybody else's, and you're going to do it your way. No, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Your plan is only good when God endorses it, which we just talked about in Proverbs 16 and 3. You got to commit your way to the Lord. Then he's going to establish it. Get God first, and then you'll get good. Get God first, and then your stuff will work out. Amen, amen. 1 Samuel 12, 14. If you 
will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king, look at the wording, and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. You got to do it, but you're not responsible for the king doing it. He got to do it himself. Okay? So the community, but, but yet and still, regardless of that, when you and when the leadership of a community, when you are committed to God, and you don't have to be committed together at the same time, what the Bible is talking about is that just when commitment is present, period. When there is commitment to you, to God, God causes the blessings, amen, to flow even into the community, your community, your circle of influence. Everyone gets blessed because of commitment, amen. Look at 1 Kings. Let's look at the next one. 1 uh, Kings chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Amen. Bible says, I go the way of all the earth. Be ye, be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. God said, step up, be a man. Look at verse number, look at verse number three as he continues. Uh, verse number three, he says, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God. That's obedience. To walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. Notice all that stuff. That means you got to do all of it. That means you can't do part of it. You got to do all of it. God is requesting or looking for you to do all of it. As it is written in the law of Moses that thou what? Mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whether soever thou turnest thyself. Okay? So whatever you're doing and whatever your direction you're getting ready to head in, you're going to have God's blessing. Verse number four, that, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me if the children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there, there shall not fail thee, he said, a man on the throne of Israel. Look at the wording in verse number four. That the Lord may continue his word, which he spake concerning me. So in other words, what he says, God says, I'm going to bless you. But it is conditional in that you've got to continually be obedient. And he says, you've got to be obedient and you've got to continue if you want me to continue. That's what he's talking about, that the Lord may continue his work. God says, I want to bless you. I want to give. I want to provide. But so many times you are making the case or making it hard for this to even be done. And in some cases, I can't even do anything. Why? Because you won't be obedient. Because you won't be committed. When you're commitment, when you are, when there is commitment to God, covenant, commitment to God allows covenant blessings to continue to apply to you. The things that God has promised to do from a covenant standpoint, it allows them those conditions to continue to affect you. Look at the uh, verse, look at Psalms uh, 97 and 10. Bible says this. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. One else, what else does commitment to the Lord provide? It provides deliverance from wickedness. Look at Isaiah 1 and 19. 
if ye will be, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. What else does it, it what does commitment to the Lord provide? It makes it so that it, it, it makes it so that your needs or provides the ability for your needs to have your needs continually met. If you're willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. It makes it so that your needs can continually be met when you are committed. And finally, look at Jeremiah 26, 13. Therefore now amend your ways and your doing. That means you got to repent. You got to turn away. You got to turn away from what's wrong. Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. One of the biggest benefits you get from obedience to God, that if prior to it, you are on God's hit list, you are on the naughty list of God, when you are obedient to God, it causes God to restore lost fellowship. Amen. 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 It, recalls, it causes God to restore lost fellowship. As long as you are at odds with God, brothers and sisters, as long as you're at war with God, nothing's going to work out because you cannot beat God. There is no deliverance out of God's hand. And when you at war and when you got a fight, you pick a fight with God, you better understand God's going to finish that fight. So the best thing that you and I can do when you're in that state is that you need to surrender before God finishes that fight. You need to surrender. And we do that by way of repentance. Amen. Wow.